Pushing Back Chaos with Mel and Mike and Raph. Welcome back to another episode of Pushing Back Chaos with me, Paul Mel McFadden. I hope you guys are all well. I hope you're, uh, I hope you guys are happy and that you're uh, applying some of these lessons as best you can in your own life with your friends. I hope that this conversation is happening out there with people that are important to you, you know, that there are, are, are connections being reestablished and uh, existing connections strengthened and you guys are reaching out into your networks where you're being the friend, the family, the community for other people and you're allowing them to be those for you. And then, uh, you know, we're joining each other in an upward spiral. We can all help lift each other up. Been enjoying the last couple of conversations. The last one um, from Italy was amazing. I just <laughs> watched it the other day and I thought it looked fake background, but it actually was the real view out the window. And here I am back in my uh, demountable back in, in Saudi where I work. And uh, I'm joined by... Mike, this week, how are you going, mate? Melon, I'm doing great, man. I'm so sorry that you're back. Uh, the views in yeah. Siena and Italy were just awesome. But I will counter with this. I know I just said I'm sorry you're back, but I really want to highlight something that you said that stuck with me throughout the week. And <clears throat> it's a saying that you and your family have about wherever you're at. And what is that? It's happy at home, happy on holidays. That's right. I love that. We, we keep it simple. We've had a whole lot of these little catchphrases since the kids were little, you know, just stuff that they could easily bite onto. And um, that was a big one because it can really be like you have an amazing time on vacation, especially when you're going home. You're living remote, you know, in a different culture and a different part of the world. And you're traveling all that way back home to see grandma and uncles and cousins and so on. It can be, can be a bit of a shock to come home. But... Um, yeah, Cherry and I have tried to be very intentional there with our kids and, you know, she makes an amazing home that we all love. We really love coming home to. And no joke, like, <laughs> we're in the door, in the doors. Last night, we literally just flew in and straight back to work today. And I was, I hadn't even put the bags down. <laughs> I heard the drumming start from Annie <laughs> getting the rock and roll going. I mean, she lives rock and roll, that child. Um, <laughs> I love it. And my, and Michael literally ran out. He ran. He said, "Oh, can I go over to see my mate Kai?" And he literally ran out the door. It's not too late. And uh, it's a way to live, you know. Be happy where you are. Be happy where you are. There's people who give up everything they've got for what you've got on your bad days and your good days. Their days to celebrate and really um, enjoy the fruits of your labors. You know, when you've worked hard and you've achieved something difficult, then I really believe in tying a a celebration to that. Try and get a bit of worrying that uh, dopamine, serotonin stuff. I saw there were some posts we've been sending out about that. Get your life attached to real rewards, really the juicy, beautiful parts of life. You know, that's yeah. that's really close to the bullseye for what we're trying to do here on this podcast, you know, help people live the life they love and love the life they live. Yeah, detaching from the the fake stuff, you know, the the likes, the comments, the, you know, constantly having to post half naked pictures of yourself to get validation for you to feel good about your life and what you're doing. It's, it's a lost cause. Yeah. I really, I really like that post and it just had, 
you know, it, it gives you time and in, in space to be like, take a minute for yourself and be like, yeah, what really makes me happy? What really makes me feel good? Mm. And, and it's those things, exactly what it says in there is, you know, real friends, quality time, looking at your surroundings, taking everything in, trying new things, exploring, getting uncomfortable, you know, trying, trying something you never did before. It's so many good points that, uh, I, I think we get influenced and told that like, well, that's not good enough or no, 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 you need to be doing this flashy shit over here. And then yeah. all this effort and energy and competition goes into it because there's always somebody out there doing it better. They literally live on their phone. They're paying someone, you know, five, $500,000 to do all their social media to make them look absolutely perfect in the perfect life and you know all this crap and it just kills joy it kills happiness uh and it's like man you're you're paying attention to the wrong things so uh i really like what melon was sharing with me prior to the record button is uh you know he, he sent me all these pictures of them in italy and going around and good mates coming down for meetups and parties and dinner and drinks and stuff like that which is wonderful it's all all about it but what i really liked what he said was you know i really had a great time speaking with michael and i was like oh well what'd you guys talk about and and melon was just kind of pausing he's like dude everything we talked about everything and those conversations are priceless i i guarantee michael will forget or never forget that conversation with you or conversations uh probably for the rest of his life man because that sends me back to when i was around his age or even younger mm. conversations i had with my dad or my mom or something like somebody that really really cared and loved me and till this day i can still go right back to those moments and be like man that was that was a special time that was a special moment and I learned a lot and time has proven this person wise, you know, and it's changed me. So I really loved that part of the story, Melon. So we, like, honestly, the, my favorite part of the vacation is always just being with the, with my kids and my wife and knowing you've got the whole day together. I just absolutely love it. You know, like, like you're saying, those things are priceless. That time together is such a joy. And yeah. Michael and I just really talk about a lot of stuff, you know, like he's a pretty, you know, I'm obviously biased on his dad, but I think he's a pretty amazing young man. And we're talking about, you know, we're talking about nutrition and weightlifting and all that kind of side now that he's 14 and he's starting to get into that. And he was, um, you know, we've been saying for a long time, I've got this big old motorbike jacket and it's, it's pretty heavy. And it's always been like that, that'll be his one day. And he said, and he was saying to me that a measure of his measure of whether his training is good is when he's fully grown, whether he fits into the jacket. And, um, and he looked at me and he smiled and he said, maybe it'll be too small for me. This is a good <laughs> bit of banter, good bit of banter, right? And, and we, we were talking about, there's a quote about, you know, the only person in the world who will be happy for you to exceed them is your father. And, you know, we just were sitting and, sitting and sharing a moment together and um, I was thinking about a lot of stuff, you know, about a lot of stuff. And, and then I really thought, you know, the one area of my life that has really generated probably the most 
joy in the thing that I just really can't, I still can't fathom that I have been um, lucky enough and it's truly has been a lot of luck is my relationship with Cherry. And I said to him, you know, I really, I really hope that um, you have a marriage that's as happy as mine because it's not, it's not a guarantee. It's so hard to find. And we just sat talking about that kind of stuff, you know, and this is the, these are the conversations that I'm blessed to have with a 14 year old boy now. And that has just led to uh, Mike and I considering some of the things that you wouldn't necessarily wish on a child, you know, you wouldn't wish on yourself and experiences you wouldn't want to repeat perhaps, but that there's a, um, like there's an old curse, there's a stoic curse that you, you have a life without challenge and that you'll, Without the challenge, you'll never have to develop and grow to be your best self. You're never going to reveal the character. You're never going to develop resilience. You're never going to become the person you really could become if you were given the challenge. And it's like a challenging thought to think, you know, when you think in your own life, you're like, well, if I didn't have these challenges, would I have developed these strengths that are really a big part of my character now? And at the same time, you just, you can't imagine wanting your children to have challenges. And so we thought we'd have a conversation around challenges and hardship and struggle and how that uh, can be tied into the development of character and, and how that can lead to a good life. And it's a, it's a difficult kind of a thing to, to think about and to wish, especially for your own child, because you think, I just want to protect them and wrap them in cotton wool. But we know we all know people who have had lives like that. And it's at some point you encounter the real world, you know, like you see some of these rich kids who cruise through life and it's also easy. And then their life goes off the rails when they're when they're confronting, when they're an adult, you know, the substance abuse or terrible relationship. And how many celebrities do you see who have really rock solid relationships? It's pretty small pretty small number and I wouldn't swap my life with them despite the number of zeros in the bank account. So we thought we'd have a conversation on why, why maybe a truly loving parent would want to have challenges, hardship and struggles for their kids to have a truly good life, which is a difficult conversation. Difficult oh, yeah. Topic. <clears throat> yeah, and being 100% honest, it's no, it's no secret. I mean, it's challenging for me, man, because, you know, we're going to talk about this, but like Melon's a parent and I'm not, I'm still on the child side of it. You know, I'm the child. <laughs> I'm, I got my mom and I know what my mom wants for me and always wishes the best for me and all that stuff. So I'm speaking out of, I don't want to say uncomfortability here, but a little bit because, you know, I don't know what it's like to have a mini me uh <laughs> looking back at me or having these conversations about maybe fitting in my shoes or my jacket one day or uh and really having consequence with everything that I tell them you know because I think I think that's with any conversation especially when it's a serious one is whatever I express whatever I say what my body language anything like that whatever comes out is going to have an effect and I think 
when you really try to have tough conversations or meaningful conversations with children, like Melon had with Michael, I think you really have to be on your game and very clear mm -hmm. about exactly how you say things and, and maybe how you present them to them. So it's one, they can understand it. Two, they can be involved. Uh, and three, they, they understand how to maybe apply it. Uh, because anything less than that, I think you're leaving a lot open to weird interpretations, which can cause confusion. And, you know, I mean, how many conversations have you walked away trying to get a meaningful message or something and be like, what the hell did they just talk about? Like, I have no idea. I got, <laughs> I got no direction. I got, I have no idea, whatever, I'll figure it out. You know? So I don't know that that's, that's kind of my mind, but yeah, man, I think this is going to be a, a interesting conversation for sure. Um, to be honest, I'm a little nervous thinking about how I want to talk about it, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> Well, I feel like you can't ever start these conversations with your own children. They're going to see right through you in a, in a heartbeat. And it'll be the same for people who know you well and even co-workers will get a sense of it pretty quick if you're not in integrity yourself. Like if, if you're trying to talk about something, if you're trying to talk about something from a certain position, I think that's going to come across. Like they're going to sense that there's something going on that you've got a bit of an agenda or, or whatever. And if you've got something between you that is where you've messed something up and you've not cleared it up, that is the place to start the conversation. Be able to say, hey, you know, you saw me yell at a guy or any area where you know that you haven't been your best. If you can use that as the starting point. You're going to have a pretty amazing conversation afterwards is my experience. And I've had quite a few of these. So I think for any of these really important conversations, if you've got any area of your life where you just know you haven't been your best in some area, then I think that's a great place to start. So yeah. you're, in your, you're in your integrity, you're your authentic self, and then there's no effort. It's not going to be an effortful conversation where you're like, you know, and they know that there's something that's happened and you're talking about something where you haven't addressed this other thing, you know, it makes it hard to hear whatever the message is. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good starting point with any conversation or when something happens, whether it's good, whether it's bad, mostly bad. I, I think we find ourselves yeah. getting into these deep conversations, mostly bad is, you know, when I'm, again, I'm trying to envision being a father, speaking to my kid. And if something terrible happened, what I would want to do is explain the environment and then, okay, so now that do you have any questions about the environment in which this happened? And then I want you to know, this is my role and my responsibilities and my thought process. And this is why I did what I did. Like, I want you to know, really, I want them to really know me and who I am as, as a man, maybe as their father. Um, I really want them to understand where I'm coming from. Uh, I have many friends, different, everybody's different, right? It's, it's the relationships with your parents is always different, which is totally normal. But you always hear it's just, well, you know, my father was like talking to a brick wall and I never understood what he was thinking, how he was feeling. He was just always the stone face, 
never expressed mm-hmm. his feelings and it was just like hammered down you know he, he hit a nail with a sledgehammer every single time and it was like that was his way to deal with things but why was he like that why did he do that what happened to him where he where he became like that um why did he feel that that was the only way to express i feel like when you really get to know somebody especially your parents because as a kid they're like your 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 well, they should be like kind of like your superhero. You know, they have the answer to everything. They're going to protect me. They'll make everything better. On my worst days, they'll hug me and everything's going to be fine. It's that unconditional love side, you know, but, you know, man, something popped in my head. So you think you know your parents and you think you know why they are the way they are. But, you know, just in a, an example, and, and, I, and I won't get, too specific because i mean it's it's a terrible thing but just a few years ago um i learned something about my mom that i never knew my entire life you know i'm 35 i was about 32 33 and i and i remember telling you and rafa you know sharing about you just because it was so damn heavy and i didn't know that um so my dad died what 17 years ago when I was 18 and um, I'd always talk to my mom about, you know, Hey mom, like, you know, it's okay. If, if you meet a nice man that will take care of you and you have a relationship and I, I'm okay with it, like your joy and happiness and security and quality of life is my concern. Now it's not like, you know, you have to replace dad or anything like that. And it was a very hard conversation that we had, but, I just really wanted my, my mom to know that how much I loved her and how much I cared for her and wanted the rest of her life just to be amazing. And, uh, you know, I said, have you dated anybody since dad or didn't? And she's like, no, absolutely not. You know, nothing. And she, she's really down and in on it. And I was trying to understand, well, I'm not going to explain it, but she proceeded to like tear up and really open up to me like she never has. And she told me about something happened when she was young and I never knew this. And it just completely broke my heart. And looking at my, my mom, you know, she, uh, speaking of when she turns 70 or 69 tomorrow, actually is her birthday. So happy birthday, mom. I love you. Um, but having a conversation like that really let me in in mm-hmm. understanding why my mom was the way she was her entire life that those challenges that we're talking about that nobody asked for these terrible hard things that pop up in in our lives or our kids lives that we just want to protect them from uh Mm -hmm. i believe after thinking about it for a long time the whole drive home from pennsylvania was just quiet and thinking of like, man, this all makes sense now. Why my mom is the way she is Because I'll be honest. My mom's got a heart of gold. Uh, she loves in a way that I can't describe. She's always been there for me. Very protective, but very trusting, very supportive. Um, if my mom, when she passes, grows wings and flies out as an angel, like I won't be surprised. <laughs> But, uh, you know, 
it all makes sense why she is the way she is because of such a terrible thing happened to her that she chose to live the rest of her life by living these lessons and seeing mm. the bad, the evil parts of life that made her into this beautiful person. And none of us ever mm. asked for that, right? You would never go up to Annie or Michael and be like, well, hey, I hope this happens to you. So one day it propels you into becoming a better person, right? No one's ever going to say that, right? Mm. No one's ever going to want to say that for their child. I think that that is a key part of what we're saying. What we're talking about here is not inflicting something on someone. It's, I think there's a, there's maybe a background belief that you could have that life is easy versus life is tough. Life is difficult and that there'll be suffering in life. And, and I think if you can, like I, I almost believe that the belief that life is easy is like a toxic belief that is going to lead to a lot of bad life decisions and bad reactions. And the belief that life is tough and the belief that life is difficult can lead to a lot of calmness when difficult times happen and a lot of understanding that this is it's not some special affliction visited on you that it's that this is everyone across the board and that if you can live from that position when those hard times come you've got a better chance of moving through them and finding like an outcome that's less bad and de developing resilience and developing appreciation for the good times that might not be there if you if your basic belief is life is easy like i really i really feel like all of us are going to have hard times like it's just going to happen to every one of us and if if you have the expectation that life is going to be easy or the expectation that things are going to you're not going to have hard times i think you can really fall apart when they come and so when you say yeah we we're not we're not saying go and do horrible things to your children we're not saying that at all that's not all we're saying and we're not saying that you would put your children in, into a, a really adverse or hard, like a terrible situation. That's not what we're saying either. But I think that they're going to happen to people. They're going to happen to all of us. And if you're going to have equipped your children with, you've exposed them to difficult times, you, you know, in an age-appropriate way, and you've helped them build some basic resilience and, and understanding that when the good times are there, that's like that's the time to really show that appreciation and gratitude and that maybe this these up peaks this top of the sign curve maybe that's not the norm you know there might be other hard times where you just got to put your shoulder to the wheel and grind but that can be equipping a child with a or a young person with a, a belief that's going to help them over life keep picking out all the good parts even in the hard times and find their way through to a life that's meaningful and a life that's you know, fulfilling. I 100% agree, Melon. Um, what, two, two years ago in the fall time, I think of 21. Was it 21? Yeah, anyway, uh, I, I was able to speak. I was asked to speak to Child and Youth Services. And I know I, know I kind of spoke about this a little bit before, but the topic that they wanted to bring me in on was how to maintain uh, emotional and mental wellness during adversity. And 
This kind of relates to the topic because it's child and youth services. So you have these social workers and people that go in and deal into hard homes with children uh, that are being abused or, you know, drug houses or like whatever. And I, I had a lot of experience like that growing up with uh, some family members. Um, my <laughs> having to deal with that stuff and deal with CYS and um, having them come in and pull some of my cousins out of bad places and dealing with all that. And uh, it was eye opening. Anyway, trying to understand that when I was young, it was like, why, why don't, uh, why don't they have good homes? Why aren't they treated this way? Why, why do they have to do this? Why is this? Why is that? And, you know, completely opposite of what I was going through in my life. Like I was a happy little kid playing in the yard, going out, dressing up, playing army in the woods and hunting and fishing with my dad. And it was complete opposite for, you know, some of my cousins. So trying to understand that adversity side, but you know, the, the CYS workers were asking like, how do I, how do I go and talk to these children who have had terrible things done to them or happen to them or be around terrible things and then explain to them that life is still good that life can still be uh, a beautiful thing and that you're not meant for this and this isn't the normal. And then me to go home and deal with it. <laughs> and I was like, man, I don't really know why I was asked to speak about this. But by the end of the conversation, it was very clear because like Melon said, we're all going to go through adversity. We're all going to have bad things happen to us. There's always going to be challenges that we don't want, but ultimately when you stop and you make the space and you take the time with the right words, the right thought process and the right people, it's almost <laughs> not all the time, but it's almost a weird feeling because you get to go, damn, that did make me who I am. And I do love who I became. Right. It's not always the mm -hmm. case. But I believe I truly believe the people that invest and take the time and and try to look at it in a way, and Tony Senior says this, is the good is good, the bad is good as well, because the bad reminds us what the good is. And you can literally put that across the board, whatever you want to look at, whether it's uh, financial troubles, whether it's uh, a, a breakup or a relationship ending. It could be death, could be whatever you want to do. There's always a positive when you want to look at it and, and you're going to walk away with a better understanding of what good really means, what happiness really means, what gratefulness needs, uh, grace, uh, mm. <laughs> forgiveness. Like there's so many lessons that can come from taking that time versus just being like, well, that really hurt. That sucked the hell with the world and watch it burn, you know, which you hear a lot. And, and what I think that is, is just emotional immaturity and processing mm -hmm. because they haven't had somebody to step in and be like, Hey, everything that you're feeling right now, everything you're looking at and the way that you're looking at it is not the best way there, there, there is a different way. And I want you to mm -hmm. just give me 10 minutes and let me talk to you about it and have this conversation. Um, I had that. I actually had a conversation at, at dinner yesterday. I went out to this little Mexican place. Um, and uh, it, it was 
random people next to us and they were just asking, Hey, where are you from? And they heard my little Ginzer accent and we were just talking and we ended up having a great conversation for probably like 40 minutes over some margaritas. <laughs> and, uh, and we were just talking and the guy was explaining about, you know, he's like, I just lost my dad and life's been pretty hard. And I was like, Oh, well, Hey, I'm sorry to hear that. And he's an older guy. He's like in his, in his forties. And I was like, Hey, I lost my dad at 18, man. So I can, I can kind of relate. And we were talking, he's like, yeah, he, um, he died about four months ago and, you know, we're just trying to find our way forward and, and this and that it's just been really tough not having him around. And I said, yeah, I said, but can I ask you a question, sir? And he's like, yeah. I was like, tell me the good parts about all of it. And he just, well, what do you mean? I was like, tell me the good parts about your dad passing. Like, take a step back from that horrific event. And what are the good things? Like, look what's like, what else came from it? And he's like, he, he was kind of confused. So I, I, I just kind of wanted to talk to him because this, this stuff I've done for myself over time. As I said, how did you look at your dad? Oh, well, he was the pillar of the family. He, you know, he held everything together. He was always listening to people. He was always there to help people. Oh, you need your grass cut? He showed up, cut my grass. Hey, you need to go over here? Oh, he showed up for the kids' birthdays. Hey, you need a ride? I'll pick him up, take him to dance class, you know, do whatever. And I, I was like, yeah, I was like, the gift of it is one, you had an amazing father like that. And not everybody mm -hmm. has that. Two, now that he's gone, you could take all the lessons and everything that he did for you guess what? It's your time. It's your time to be the pillar now. That's a gift. That's special because again, not everybody gets to do that. And you get to have the opportunity now to take everything that your dad had, plus everything that you have and become maybe even something better for your family and maintain that standard and that pillar for your family, your wife, your, your children. He had three kids and he just kind of like teared up and he's like, I never thought of it that way. And I said, neither did I. I. I always think that loss is the worst feeling and there's nothing ever going to come from it but pain. Mm. Because I don't have this anymore. This is gone. But I said, dude, when you step back and you realize the plan and kind of like how life is going to go, because this is going to happen to all of us. We're all going to lose our parents. We're all going to lose. We're all going to like have failures. <laughs> It's inevitable. It's human nature. It's the way of the world. It's, um, when we turn and we're able to have these conversations and look and find the beauty, the good, the good in it, it changes how you view these conversations. Maybe with with Michael, you know, hey, I know we talk about good times. I know we talk about working out. I know we talk about playing rugby together. I know whatever, but you need to understand that there are going to be things that you never plan for that I want you to be ready for. And I want you to be better prepared for it. So maybe having that conversation is going to prepare them. You know, I'm not saying like put your kid through a boot camp where it's like, okay, this just happened. This just happened. What are you going to do? You know, and he's 15 and he's like, uh, <laughs> but open these conversations and letting them know that, Hey, I know what you think real life is, but this over here is real life. It's good and the bad. And there can be bad that comes from good and there can be good that comes from bad. And I want you to see all of it. If that makes sense. It's pretty amazing. It's 
pretty amazing how parallel sometimes you, me, and Ralph as well can be because I was talking like this conversation with my son, my 14-year-old son, Michael, the other night I was talking to him about these challenges that are going to inevitably come up in his life, you know, in the hard times and relationship problems and health and all of these things. And I was just talking to him about whatever that blow is that comes in, that there's an arc that you go through from when that suffering occurs and the resistance and the why is this happening to me and the pain and then at some point you transition sort of through an acceptance and then finally you're in a stage where you've, you're back and you're able to take action again. And I was really talking to him about how um, focusing and preparing and thinking about these things can have you move through that arc more quickly and can have you get to the place where you've got, you know, you, you're getting traction again, the wheels are engaging, you know, you've had the health blow in your family, but you've gone through the shock and the upset and you're back into the engaging with the doctors and researching and finding all the best treatments and so on. And that if you can shorten that, that gap between the, the bad incident and the, you know, this, the first step in recovery at the other side, if you can prepare yourself knowing that there'll be hard times that'll come, that that's a real gift. It's so funny you just said that about this guy with his dad. It's such a parallel. I love that point from uh, Tony Senior there about the good is good and the bad is good. That's a really powerful way to put it because there's a whole lot of um, power that can come in accepting the things that we can't control and there's a lot of, there's a lot of things you can't control and there's a current a fallacy in the West at the moment is that we get to choose all the stuff. You know, we get to pick... <laughs> We only want the good things, you know, we pick this, that, and the other, and we'll reject all of the, the hard bits, but it's, you know, there's, and, and a lot of energy can get wasted when the bad thing comes, when you're just resisting what's happened and you're not able to get into that action stage, you know, you, your power is gone until you're able to accept it. And if you can transition through that art quickly, you can get back into action and back into um, positivity and, and focus so like there's like a conservation of energy when you're able to release all of the concerns and the resistance and get back in by just focusing on accepting what's not in control and what isn't in your control some heavy stuff right but a lot of it also comes out of focusing on the present moment and just being in the moment as it is and not in the you know how your mind can drift off. Like these, these, and I've had hard times. Like when Annie was in the neonatal unit, and I remember, I remember the day that they did the first laser surgery on her eye, and the ophthalmologist. Well, I think it was actually before the first surgery, but it was like she needs surgery, and she's highly likely to go blind. Uh, like she wasn't even a Jew. She wasn't even Jew yet. You know, she was still less than forty weeks. Um, having been born at 23 weeks, which is all happening around 33, 32, 33 weeks. 
I remember the doctors left. It was like she needed emergency surgery the next day. I just was standing holding her, looking out the window, and just like the suffering was was very real for me. And my baby was going to, highly likely she was going to be blind. And, you know, the craziest thoughts going through my head, you know, like just thinking like, oh, my God, she's never going to be able to be a pilot which I'd never even formed the thought of wanting this baby to fly a plane. But your mind can just go into, you know, all this stuff. And we're talking 20 20 years down the road. It's such a strange thing that your mind can bite off into this whole taking you so far out of the present moment, so far into the future. And her actual life was still pretty at risk she still had a lot of issues with her intestines and bowels and she had surgery coming for that and so on and it's like but you you can't control that immediate reaction but as the sooner you can release it and let it go and be like this is a very um you're in a fantasy you're in this what if down the road part and the other one is all the why has this happened to us Part. And the sooner you can get rid of those two things, you'll get back into your power. And that is really the focusing on the present moment. So that is, that is a key part. So accepting what's beyond your control is one of them. And the second one is getting yourself back into the present moment where you are right now. Because if, if this is one of these life challenges, it's going to take all of your resources to get through it. It's going to take all of your focus. It's going to take all of your experience. It might take more than what you have actually but you can't afford to have 20, 30, 40, 50% of your thoughts off into the future. What ifs and 20, 30, 40, 50% off into the, why has this happened to me in the past and the future? So those two things have been really key for me. That's accepting what's beyond your control and focusing on the present moment. Those are great. There was, again, my, my boy, Mike Tyson, but uh, <laughs> he he had a great uh, conversation. That, uh, he's he's, this he's, be, guy. he's become the he's become the Dalai Lama. Honestly, he, he, Mike Tyson he at his age now is unbelievable. The stuff that he says, the suffering that he's experienced as well. Yeah, he this video I, I sent it, I just sent it to Melon, but he was saying, uh, you know, I'm so fearful in my life. You know, I fear things that haven't even happened, and he goes. I, I work myself up so much because of this ego and everything else that I have. And if you asked me what I was truly afraid of, I couldn't even tell you what. And the guy he's speaking with, he's like, there's terrible things going to happen. And if you live in fear, you live in something that happened 10 years ago, it doesn't exist anymore. If you're worrying about what's going to happen the day after tomorrow, it's, it doesn't exist yet. Mm. Like you're, you're, you're fearing things that do not exist anywhere else but in your own mind and that fear is the inability to control your thoughts and your feelings like how true is that holy shit man like you just you know <laughs> you just grabbed a hold of me right there and pulled me in and like i i hear you uh because when you really think about it that's that's what it is it's the inability to control your your thoughts and your emotions on on something that may or may not have even happened yet. And that, that's, that is a scary feeling when you have no control. 
when you should have control and you can have control, you know, and that, that's what's, again, that's what separates people. In my opinion is when people can control their thoughts and their emotions and they can still be calm. And I've talked about that. They can still be calm mm -hmm. and communicate effectively when you need them to the most, like that's a superhero to me. So uh, th that's definitely true, Melon. I really like that perspective on it. And there's, a, oh my God, so many lessons that can come from it. Some of the, uh, the practices that can build that ability to not just be your thoughts all the time, to not be taken out of the present moment into the, um, the what ifs of the future and the why me of the past, which are just massive distractions. So some of the practices that people can do and I've done successfully include negative visualization, picturing how this moment could be worse than what it is and how, you know, one or two scenarios could, could be playing out right now that would make you wish you're back into this, you know, you're stuck in traffic, cursing out the traffic around you and, you know, you're late for something and you could just be thinking, man, you know, I could have a child in the hospital right now or, mm. you know, my mum could be sick. I could have just lost my job or, or something else that's large. And you'd be like, oh, if that was happening to me, I would just be wishing I was in that state of boredom and frustration of my only worry in the world is being stuck in traffic. <laughs> and that can help you develop the resilience. Like this is a stoic thing, negative visualization. How could this moment be worse? And then when you're like, you know, just a few seconds and then all of a sudden you can have a sense of gratitude. And the, having gratitude, I think, is a superpower. To have gratitude in the hard times and have gratitude in the, the quiet times and have gratitude in when things are great and have gratitude when things are tough. Like, I, I really think that there's a superpower there. And this is how you can build these tools. So I would say having the ability to find something to be grateful for in the moment is probably like my third one. So accepting what's beyond your control, focusing on the present moment and using a mental practice to find gratitude for, for the moment you're in. And I know Mike has mentioned this before, you know, picturing yourself at age 80 and thinking, what would I give just to be back when my kids are young or when I, when I was physically fit or when I was with, these friends, this, this moment in time now when you've got this circle of friends around you or when I was living in that location, what would I give for another day of that when I'm, at, when I'm 80? There's all ways that you can do this to bring this gratitude practice into your life rather than just trying to think of something you're grateful for. You could think of you know, your own life just being down the road another 20, 30, 50, 60 years or you could put a situation such as a loved one having a health challenge in your mind and then think, right, my actual concerns in the moment have just, have just gone down by an order of mag magnitude and I don't need to worry about it. And you're able to bring out that gratitude as a practice. <laughs> Dude, it's, I, I love how Melon and I and Raph too, we just feed off of each other in these conversations because literally none of this is scripted at all and it, that's the, that's the crazy part like i freaking love this because i literally just made as he's talking I'm, i was writing a list down 
and I'm going to share these because this is this is real life. Uh, but these and just are so my- you know, everyone, before we press, before <laughs> I said welcome back to another episode of Push to Matt Cast, we just sat for five minutes. Like, what are we going to talk about? It's yeah, really, <laughs> this is really yeah. what we do. You know, it's this literally- is not scripted. This is people coming together for a real conversation and to talk about something that had really come up. And Mark was like, what's come up? And I said, this conversation with my son. And, and he's like, let's talk about that. And they just go and we just <laughs> press record. And, and this is open to all of us. You know I mean? There's not, there's not notes. Like I take notes while we talk. And this is how we uh, generate some of the show notes after we're done. But yeah, literally. It's a, re- it's a real conversation that's happening real time and we love sharing them with you guys. Yeah, and I really do, man, because this, like we said, this is selfishly, this is great for us. This is great for me. But then we hear the feedback from other people and it's just like, you're, you guys are talking about what I'm feeling. And then, and then, you know, it's like, yeah, we're doing the right thing. So uh, hopefully we continue to do that for all of you. But um, all right, well, I'm going to jump into my list here, dude. And I hope this is a good example of exactly what we're talking about, you know, that I'm just not speaking out of my ass. And uh, I'm, I'm backing up my, my words with my with actions. Um, we talk. OK, here's challenges in my life. I never asked for any of these. All right. Just to be very clear, I never asked for any of these. And now in the state that I'm in, I am grateful for them. I want to I want to preface that uh, I'm grateful for all these things happening, even though they were terrible things. All right. And I'm going to go in order of my life. My dad. My dad passing away. I never asked for that. It was hurtful. I was robbed. I was in pain. It wasn't fair. And I, you know, looked at the the bad side of it. Man, the good side of it, now that I look at it all, it's my turn. It's it's my turn to to be the man, to be the leader, to be the father, to be the future pillar. It gives me meaning. It gives me a purpose, identity. I'm grateful for that, you know. Because I was taught that at a young age, not way later in my life where I'm going, now what do I do? So in a way, I look at it as the positive, you know. Uh, teammates, uh, some of my teammates dying, you know. It's, you never ask to bury some of the, your best friends and some of the greatest people on the face of the earth in your 20s. Um, it's just not something that you do. Uh, being confused, why them and not me? survivor's guilt going down the rabbit hole of it should have been me i could have made a change i could have done something now i look at man i'm grateful that i even knew just those men those men existed in my life i shared a hallway with them i rubbed shoulders with them i trained with them i spoke with them i knew their families i knew such great men wow what a gift what a gift uh the breakdown i had in 2017, which I talked about in episode one, not your average operator, uh, total loss of control, total loss of, uh, everything (laughs) who like just feeling completely lost and helpless. What did that really do? It introduced me to my emotions. Hmm. It really introduced me to being a human being and realized that I wasn't a machine, that I wasn't some superhero that everybody perceived me to be that I didn't have the answers for everything, that I couldn't carry everything on my shoulders all day, every day, and live a life like that. It introduced me to my emotions, and I'm grateful 
I had that breakdown. Um, I had a bad relationship with my brother where he wasn't in my life for years at a time. He wasn't there when I deployed, when I came home from deployment, my promotions, uh, anything like that. And I resented him. I was angry at him. Uh, I was hopeful that I would rekindle with him, which I'm still trying. But I also realized that I had other brothers that weren't blood and that they stepped in and were amazing people to me. So like Mellon, Raph, Tony Sr., um, my buddy Pat, a whole bunch of other people that have been in my life that have been like brothers to me. Uh, I'm grateful for it because I understand what a real brother should be because these guys live it. Uh, my divorce. So uh, failure as a man, failure as a husband, failure as uh, my role in society, failure in God's eyes. Uh, I beat the living shit out of myself trying to figure out why that didn't work and how it went bad and different things. And I, I had to take ownership for a lot of the things that I did, um, which was the hardest part. But what did it teach me uh, afterwards that I'm looking at it? Man, it really made my priorities straight and understanding how important communication in all aspects would, would be. Um, those things, if I would have focused on those two things, that would have probably made a lot of difference in my life. But uh, it introduced me to that, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, after that, uh, just completely had my heart broken. Uh, with another relationship. Uh, I felt like I was worthless, like I was discarded, like I was a nobody, completely lost, uh, literally pretty much lost everything but my job and was in a hole, faced depression, uh, didn't know where to go, what to do, uh, probably one of the lowest points of my life. And looking at it now, what did it do? It reintroduced me to my true identity. And it for the first time, probably my entire life, it introduced me to self-love. And I can, <laughs> I'm smiling say, when I say it, I truly love myself now. I never thought I would be who I am and having these types of conversations, being who I can be for my family, for my friends, uh, all of it. I don't think I would be able to even speak about this topic the way I speak about it now if things like this didn't happen. So I, I, I know who I am now, like really who I am. And I love myself because of it. Uh, and then Mellon can relate to this one uh, injury, right? I've been injured over the years and just, you know, I just had an injury last week uh, to my knee and I could barely walk uh, during training and I'm, I'm still rehabbing it. And I'm trying to, you know, put my pride aside and be smart for the long term, but it introduced me that I'm, again, I'm not a machine. I am not invincible. And it made me realize uh, that taking care of myself is a priority. And it also humbled me again. All these things really humbled me, but injury really humbles you when you think you're this, uh, you're this tough guy and whatever. And then you can like barely walk or you have an injury where you can barely stand up or sit down to go to the bathroom or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's pretty funny. You know, but it, it definitely introduces you to humbleness. So that's just that's just a list, man. Those are some big things from my life that were terrible things that I never asked for, but they were the challenges mm. that came and the, and that happened. And I can choose to uh, I can choose to do that. So one second. Hey, excuse me. Sorry. 
it's just an extraordinary thing for Mike to reveal and share all that. I mean, that shows you how unscripted the conversation is that Mike can take the time to share the, and to give ex examples like losing a father and losing a brother in arms. And we're talking about real people, you know, we're not talking about a movie or a show or a, a book script. We're talking about a real person talking about really losing people. And there's a power in that acceptance of what's beyond your control. Yeah. And it, how many I mean, times a lot of people in life, a lot of people in life are trying to get through life without revealing their vulnerability. You know, like I can't let anyone know this thing about me that makes me vulnerable. And that's like the attempt to cover the vulnerability is what makes you vulnerable. Yes. And the, the owning it and the revealing it and the sharing it with people takes it away as a vulnerability. Do you know what I mean? Like in somehow it makes that part of your life no longer an area that you have to fear. You don't have to be like, well, if someone finds out about this thing, I'm going to be exposed and I'll be weak. The owning and sharing the vulnerability makes it into some part of you that is like actually stronger than before. And it also is an access for other people to, to deal with their own vulnerabilities and their own difficulties and their own challenges, which we all have. You know, and you're hearing a special forces, a senior special forces person who's sharing real life experiences. And there's strength on the other side of that where you don't have to pretend, you know, that you're something that you're not. You don't have to pretend that you're this robot like i've done it with with my kids sharing about times when i've let myself down and you know then you don't have to pretend after that with them it'd be very very empowering very very empowering to turn something that might be perceived by yourself as a vulnerability into a strength and i just really want to acknowledge you mike for sharing that with everyone well it's something i never saw myself doing to be very honest, like I never thought I would write down this list and this would be on it, but ultimately it is. But also as I'm sitting here looking at this list, I know it's not done yet. Yeah. And I'm sitting here in my mind right now, figuring out like, well, trying to right. And here's the control side. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what else is going to possibly be on this list in five years and 10 years. And yeah. I don't know, I have an idea but it's, but again, it hasn't happened yet, but I need to acknowledge maybe a couple things that I know I can't stop people passing away, you know, dealing with things mm. like that. The rest of it, I don't know. I'll just, I'll just be present and try to be my best self and, mm. and handle it as it comes, you, you know, and that's the best I can do and be the most prepared for it in those moments. Um, but yeah, it's interesting looking at this list now. Like I said at the start, like I was talking about that conversation with Michael, my son, or, and you said it can be with anyone, that a really good place to start is finding an area of your life where you've had a bit of a breakdown and cleaning it up and getting yourself into, into integrity and authenticity. And what you're, by sharing this, these areas of vulnerability 
it's empowering for yourself and for other people. And it gets you into a state where you're not having to have anything to hide, which takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy and takes you out of the present moment and continually racing away into the future or the things that you regretted in the past that cause these vulnerabilities. And you're able to load shed all of that stuff. And then you're able to be yourself. You're able to be your real authentic self when the next difficulty comes. And you're able to stand, you know, in the middle of the stream when the, the torrent of water hits, the white water hits. And if it's something really severe, it's going to take everything you got to stand and hold onto a rock in the middle of that raging torrent. And the only way you're going to be able to do it is if you're in your authentic, you, you are being your authentic self and you're not having it to hide anything. Hmm. And the image that pops in my head too is, again, I'm trying to think of as a, as a father here and I'm not, but just as a man and I know that there's other people around me that look up to me and I look up to other people. We all want to be that tough guy. We all want to be that, that pillar, you know, sort of thing. And it's not, it's not the guy that can just lift weights and lift heavy for 15, 20 minutes. And he's a tough guy. The, the strongest grit that I can see in a, in a person. And I would say a parent is when your kid's watching you in your worst moment and they see how you handle it, you know, mm. like you don't see them freak out. You don't see them get physical. You don't see them hit your, hit your mother. You don't see them go out and start pounding beers. You don't see them doing drugs. You don't see them, you know, abusing you or saying, blaming on you or anything else. You can really see them taken on board and deal with it in a way that is inspiring. And I do know parents like that and the way they lead their life and um, not in front of their kid, but they walk away and they break down and they cry and they just say, I have no idea what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, or I, I don't know how to handle this or I can't do it, which is natural. It's totally fine. But the fact that they're able to say that around other people that they really trust and that, again, mm. going back to our circles and who you have in it, man, that's very powerful, right? And, and, and that's the way. And from there, it's the way forward. You know, you're no longer living in that past moment. It's all right. There it is. Finally came out. It's okay. Let's, let, let's tackle it together and figure out. And then you start making a list like I did. You know, hey, what can you learn from this, dude? Like, really think about it. Take some time. Take the next week and take your pen around. And when you're sitting in your car or you're sitting at home and you're just dwelling on it, be like, yeah, that's all the bad things. I know all the bad things. I get it. What are some of the good things? Look at the future. Look what's possible now. Look at the opportunities that you've just been given because this person is no longer here. You know, like there is some real beauty that can come from that stuff. And I truly believe that's like the whole balance of life and our purpose is to find those things along our journey and seek them out and search them. They'll just, dude, you're not being punished or you're not being rewarded all the time. It's like, dude, this is the journey. This is your scavenger hunt mm. for what you really are searching for, you know? And when you think about it that way, it's kind of exciting. Like I'm smiling when I say it, dude, because it just totally paints life in a whole different, in a different picture. You know, so it's, uh, it really is a blessing. Well, I feel like there 
really is probably a great spot to leave the conversation for this week. We've been talking here about how challenges, hardships and struggle can help us and how if we're able to maintain the right kind of focus while they're occurring and then able to reflect and process them the right way afterwards, they can actually be, you know, like on the other side of the breakdown, maybe there's a massive breakthrough that you can have and you can be levelling up to be a stronger and better version of yourself for when the next challenge comes and the next challenge is going to come. Mark, I just really want to thank you for the uh, willingness to share that you had in the middle of the conversation and, uh, you know, for, you know, I throw the ball back and forward and it literally just happens <laughs> in real time. There's no script for any of this. And I, I just, I really acknowledge you for the strength in turning these challenges around and uh, sharing it with our community. So we would love to hear back from you guys. We'd love to hear about what you guys think about challenges and hardships and struggles and how you've found your way through them and how you've processed and looked back on them in the past to level yourself up and move forward in life. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we all know people out there are having a hard time or have had a hard time. And I just encourage you to maybe share this conversation out if you feel it's going to be beneficial. And, uh, yeah, I hope that it, it, it's made a difference for you guys. It's certainly, I feel better at the end of the conversation and I always do. But um, from both of us and from Tio, who's missing, and we were so in the conversation, we didn't even give him any shit. He's off, no, sloping around, sloping off somewhere. No one cares anyway. So, <laughs> no, no one cares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's a challenge. There, there are good things about Raph not being here, right? I, I wrote a list down about that too. But no, <laughs> hey, before, be, yeah. before we go to Mel, and I, my, my, my challenge for everybody this week is, you know, we've talked about some big things on here, uh, whether it's dealing with death or relationships or just hardship in general. I challenge you to sit with your kids, especially, but it doesn't have to be mm. a kid. It could be somebody that, you know, like Melon said, is going through a really hard time. They just lost somebody. They're struggling. Sit down with them and really try to have a conversation and be like, okay, let's go through all the bad things of this. Acknowledge them. Like, yeah, it, it hurts. It's painful acknowledge that side and then make a list like I did and write these down and find some good things in it. Find some, you know, don't just look in the present, look at the doors that just opened in the future that mm. give you, give you opportunities. You know, like I said, like my dad passing away, I was 18 years old, man. I wasn't even a man yet. Um, but it opened the mm. door for a future where I'm going to love harder as a father and give the things to my, my kids, God willing, one day, uh, that my dad wasn't there for me, you know, and I'm going to love harder. I'm going to tell him I love them. I'm going to appreciate my time with them even more. I'm going to be down and in and present and just a connection that I probably would have taken for granted if maybe he was still around. Like I've gone down, down that far. So I really encourage everybody, I challenge you to have these conversations with someone who's struggling or that doesn't understand mm. what's going on and show them that even in the worst situations, there is opportunity and beauty in it. So let us know how that works I think, out. I think what Mike's talking about there is sharing your own experience. That 
going in with a, I think you should never going to be the basis for a strong conversation. It's always going to be sharing that difficulty that you had. You know, and you've got to be really honest with it, with people when you're going to share it or it won't land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah to, but we yeah, would love to, to hear how it goes. We'd love to hear how it goes, you know? Yep. To, to get vulnerability, you need to be vulnerable. That's the only way it works. It's the only way it works. All right. So for another week, good luck. You know, have, have some challenging conversation with people. Take on sharing some vulnerability and see, see the strength that comes on the other side of that. You're just taking something out of, oh, you know, I've got an Achilles heel here or this is a bit of kryptonite that might hurt me and you're just going to permanently get rid of it by sharing it with someone. Uh, yeah, I wish you guys all the best and uh, thanks very much. We really appreciate you spending your, your time with us. We'll see you next week.